the pace of the game is controlled by the person hosting, who is a social gaming platform enabling everyone to become game designers. It doesn't have to be in a classroom, of course, it could be at an event, it could be at home with your family, it could be in a training session in your company. It's used in a whole range of scenarios. Hello, this is Harry Hawk, and this is Talking About Everything. Hello, this is Harry Hawk, and this is an FIR interview. I'm really excited to welcome to the show Jamie Brooker. Jamie is the co-founder and chief creative officer of Kahoot, which is an educational company. I would call it an educational engagement company. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Tell everybody sort of the elevator pitch for Kahoot and then a little bit of how you came about creating the company. It's interesting that you called it an educational engagement company. It's kind of, I've never heard that one before, but it's, it's fairly accurate, I would say. I always start off with what our website says, which is make learning awesome. And we set out on a mission when we founded the company. And that mission was really to make learning something that everyone wants to connect with. So it's about bringing motivation to learning to help unlock every individual's deepest potential. We do that through the principles that we believe in. You know, if someone else was to tackle the problem of how do I make learning awesome for everyone? How do I unlock everyone's potential? They might tackle it in a different way. But the way we decided to do it was primarily through play. So gaming is one manifestation of play. And we have this statement or this quote that we kind of use a lot, which is play is our first language. The idea being the way people learn, the way babies learn when they're brought into this world about themselves and, and the world around them is through exploration, which is a form of play. Kind of as you go through life and particularly when you get to school, the idea of play is really like a taboo. Sure. <laughs> gaming in the classroom, really? Are you meant to do that? And actually, that's where the brand comes from, Kahoot, to be in cahoots, as uh, the idea of coming together to do something that you shouldn't really do and playing games between teacher and students in the classroom, should you do that? That's not really the elevator pitch. Uh, in short, uh, Kahoot is a, is a social gaming platform which enables you to create learning games that we call Kahoots, and then play them in social settings. So social was one of the other founding principles of the company. It's essentially about learning together through gaming. So it's not really about the technology when you think of it like that. Like what's, you know, the reason why we launched the product into classrooms first was because what's the best place where people come together to learn is classrooms. So for us, it's about trying to maximize that precious time when people are together in a world where knowledge can be gained from everywhere. But how do we help prepare people for future life by making the most of that time together, helping them adopt 21st century skills and things like that? So, yeah. And that's a, and that's a big thing for me, 21st century skills. Uh, one of the folks I've gotten to meet at CUNY is Kathy Ann Davidson, who runs the Future Ed Initiative uh -huh. uh, at CUNY. She's fond of pointing out that current, at least in America, the educational system was designed sometime in the 1860s to help turn the children of farmers into factory workers. Absolutely. It's exactly the same for us. We are a learning brand. So we're conscious that the classroom is one of the best places for us to you know, help reach 
people with the mission that we set out upon. But it's not restricted just to schools and classroom because learning is a fundamental kind of human behavior that we believe everyone should have an opportunity to unlock their potential. But when it comes to the classroom, I totally agree with your your colleagues. You know, the idea that everyone's expected to learn the same thing at the same time in this kind of factory-like method. And if you don't get it, then tough because we're moving on to the next thing. And actually, every individual is different and motivated by different things. They learn in different ways. So Kahoot tries to disrupt that, um, that norm that has happened many years. Our pedagogy is based on a model that we call learners to leaders, which is actually encouraging the learners themselves to become the leaders and yes. and enables the teacher to become more the facilitator in that experience. We truly believe in that because it's empowering these 21st century skills. It's encouraging collaboration amongst friends and classmates and it's encouraging communication skills it's encouraging more critical thinking you've got to go and unlock the information yourself parts it out put it into the game and really make it work right exactly one of the things we say is we're enabling everyone to become game designers and we just feel like the framing of a game is a great way to empower creativity because games have constraints if you want to win the game you got to stick to the rules so actually creating a game is kind of fun as well because you're the one who's creating the rules and because a game of kahoot can be play a game that's for any subject topic ability age, range, language, you name it. We're empowering people to create games about the things that interest them most, what really intrigues them, what motivates them. And, and that for us is kind of quite embedded into the pedagogy and is what's pushing us on this mission to help everyone unlock their potential. Jimmy, so I want to just briefly describe how I see the product, how it works, just mm. so everybody listening can have a sense of it. Obviously, you have lots of demos and such on your site, and I'll put some links in there on our show notes. But essentially, you're able to start a game. When I used it, I started within my web browser. Uh, then I was directed to my cell phone, and I entered the a web address and put in a code that was given to me on the web browser. And essentially, I had two screens at that point. Yep. I was looking at the web browser, but the cell phone was functioning as my game controller yeah exactly i mean one of um the strongest principles behind the business is inclusivity um so we chose the web browser because it's the most inclusive platform that enabled us to achieve what we wanted to achieve because you know you can't guarantee what devices uh, people have in schools or, or in life so it's the one that enables us to include everyone in the experience I have a touchscreen laptop. Mm -hmm. At first, I was trying to answer by, even though I had logged in on the phone, I was trying to touch the screen to answer the questions <laughs> I was given, yeah. and it didn't work. But I was able to use the web browser to advance to the next question. Is I know it's kind of a, a small technical point, but is that something that you will enable or do you, you always want, is there part of the, the pedagogy to always have everybody using their uh, cell phones? You don't have to use a cell phone, but let me explain kind of the concept so it kind of makes sense. So the idea is that it's about the same physical location. So even though it's using the web and web technologies, it's not your typical product that you, you, know, you sign up and it's just one-to-one, -one, you and your device, you use it. 
um, you get value from it and whatnot. It's about multiplayer gaming in real time in the same physical location. Let's let's take the best way to explain it is in a classroom. Typically, what will happen at the beginning is the teacher will be the one who signed up and she will either create her own game based on her curriculum or she will search and find one from one of our communities. You know, we've got this 15 million games you can choose from that have been made publicly available by our audience. I don't think I mentioned it, but currently we have 40 million monthly active users. So 40 million people every month uh, are joining and playing games. Once she's got the game that she wants and it supports the curriculum that she's teaching, she will launch it into her classroom and display it on the screen at the front. So whether that's a projector or a TV screen or whatnot so that would be the screen where you used your touchscreen laptop so that's displayed to the screen at the front and it creates in the classroom it will create this game show like atmosphere because what happens is then all the students whether it is their cell phone or it might be a chromebook or a macbook or a windows laptop any device they've got with a web browser they will join that game by the unique code that is presented they will enter a nickname and they'll see their nickname appear on that screen at the front of the room. That was actually the very first thing we designed because we said to ourselves, how do we bring that student from the back of the class to the front for the right reasons? The idea being that the first and foremost, what Cahoot's about is creating engagement because that's, that's such a big challenge you know, from a teacher's perspective is a massive challenge, but also that's the first thing we need to solve if we want everyone to feel like learning is something they can connect with. I think that's why I called it an educational engagement company. It's yes, <laughs> exactly. That, and as a marketer, that's something that I'm concerned about is, and certainly as a teacher, that we're not uh, running a galley ship where everybody's in, in chains and we're whipping them <laughs> towards their goal. They have to be self-motivating and the ability to follow their passion. So I, I interrupted you. You were describing essentially everybody in the classroom gets to see their name up on the screen exactly. and then participate. Yeah, so at that point, you're incredibly empowering as a teacher or someone who's hosting the game. It doesn't have to be in the classroom, of course. It could be at an event. It could be at home with your family. It could be in a training session in your company. It's used, Kahoot's used in a whole range of scenarios. Let's go back to the classroom example. So everyone's engaged and focused. There's kind of music playing, and it's starting to create very different behaviors to what your typical classroom uh, has. You know, where in general people are listening to the teacher or they've got their heads buried in a book or, or a, an iPad or a, another device, as it were, these days. Um, instead, what it's creating is conversation and discussion amongst everyone who's in that room. And then the teacher will be the, the, game, the game show host, if you like. She will facilitate. So she'll start the game. And all of a sudden, the first question is displayed. On the student's device, it is exactly as you mentioned. It's like a, a PlayStation controller in the sense that we have our pedagogy centered around this idea of looking up. So on the controller, you just have op answer options, but there's no information there. The questions and answers aren't displayed there. They're displayed on that screen at the front. And that's extremely critical to creating the social environment that we're looking to create. When we prototyped it the other way around, where you had everyone uh, looking down at their device, looking at questions and answers, the environment, the experience, the behaviors we saw were the complete opposite to what we wanted to create. 
when we first started creating Kahoot, we said that we want to get rid of the BlackBerry prayer. So this idea of when everyone, when you're in a, a location, whether it's, I know, uh, waiting for a bus or in a cinema or a shopping center or somewhere where there's lots of people around, everyone's got their heads buried in a device. They're kind of ignoring everyone else. And actually, we, it's the same behaviors in the learning experience as well that we're trying to change. We believe that, you know, this our lesson, if it was in a classroom, is extremely precious time and we need to maximize the time that people are together. So uh, a core fundamental element to our pedagogy is, is looking up. That creates this incredibly different environment to what you expect to see in a classroom because they're looking up at the questions and answers. They're trying to work out what's correct. They're dancing to the music. They're cheering and shouting when they get it correct or, you know, they're gutted if they don't get it correct. That for us is like the engagement layer. But, and then the deeper thing that's happening is the pedagogy, the learning behind it, because what you see happen is is conversation you see with good game design as well you see uh, people learning through a well-structured kahoot introducing brand new concepts to the students building upon those concepts through the questions getting increasingly difficult you could you know we've had plenty of stories of students uh, teachers introducing brand new content that students have never been exposed to before and then grasping those core concepts after having played a, a game of Kahoot that's been designed very well. Um, and then in between each question, you have the leaderboard on the screen at the front again, which displays the top five. So it's a motivation for the students to get into the top five. But at the same time, we have game mechanics that underlie a lot of it, which is designed to give encouragement to those that perhaps were struggling or, or need a bit of guidance. The teacher gets all of the data as well. So the kind of the primary use case, the most common scenario why a game of Kahoot is played is for a formative assessment. So that the teacher can understand which students get it, which ones are struggling and need a bit more help. So she can adapt learning more individually based on those insights that she's getting from the game, which gives you know, when I talked at the beginning, and, and you mentioned it as well about this kind of factory-like model in education, it we're all of a sudden, every student started to be treated as the individual they are, knowing that you can't just move on because time's up. But actually, these guys need a bit more support here. And then what was really, you know, for me, I find super exciting when I see it happen is those students that are really getting it, they support their classmates who are struggling through the conversations that happen both during the game and after the game as a consequence of having just played that game. And that's extremely empowering. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I do. I remember a quote that I received over an email from one of our users in, in the very early days where... She just said, I just stepped back in, in amazement as my students started to engage in sort of peer-led discussions amongst themselves about the content that, that they were learning. The reason you see that happen is Kahoot creates this, this leveler in the learning experience. I talked about inclusivity as a core kind of fundamental design principle of, of ours. And I think a big part of that is that everyone's at the same level. So if you look at traditional uh, classrooms, you know, you do have students that are more confident or just understand it quicker. And you do have those students at the back of the room. And when I talked about bringing the students from the back to the front for the right reasons, 
a big part of that is that they feel progression and they feel like they're part of it because they can have a voice without needing to actually speak if they don't want to, if they're shyer. Or if they're someone who traditionally struggles, they feel progress through the game because over the course of the game, they're, they're grasping these concepts. They're being explained it from their teacher, but also their classmates are discussing it amongst them all. Um, and that's extremely empowering. And Jamie, sorry, I'm a little confused in a sense. I get the idea essentially that gameplay is fun. Yep. And, you know, certainly from Seymour Papret, the whole idea of gameplay as learning and uh, even Piaget kind of self-directed learning. And I get even in a game that there's a little bit of pressure to really kind of engage yourself because there it is a competition. Yep. We can have too much competition, but the right amount um, should encourage me to, to kick in and dig in a little bit. Mm-hmm. How is the conversation happening? Because if, if there's a time entry point and exit point where I have to get my answer in as quick as possible, am I asking for a, for a hint from my classmates? Or Yeah, it's a good question, and I, I probably didn't explain it effectively. So the pace of the game is controlled by the person hosting, which typically in the classroom is the teacher initially, albeit we do very much encourage that, uh, as I mentioned with our learners to leaders pedagogy, that the students themselves are leading it. So what happens is there's a pause in between each question where the correct answer is displayed or answers. The supporting content, whether that's a video or an image that explains the concepts that the questions are structured around, that can be brought back up onto the screen. And essentially, the conversation happens at that point. And part of good game design is that you learn as you go along, yeah? So if you think of like a platform game, let's take Super Mario World as a just an easy example. You're running along, and then all of a sudden, a big mushroom or something jumps on top of you. You die and you go back. But next time you're running along, you know that the big mushroom's coming, and you avoid the big mushroom, and you progress. It's kind of the same in Kahoot. And we have put a lot of time into the kind of the pedagogy behind how you create the game as well. Basically, if you're designing an effective learning game, you're introducing new concepts or ways of thinking, could be trivia or fact-based as well, and you're reinforcing those concepts through the questions. So let's say, for example, you're introducing differentiation or something like that conceptually to your students. You might actually ask a very challenging question up front where you know they're not going to get it correct, but that's all right. It's okay to not get it correct. So that's kind of the point of the game that we yep. try and, we're trying to say is like... Well, that's a Piaget element that it, yeah, yeah. isn't the final arbiter necessarily. Exactly. The wrong answer is not failure. Exactly, because you learn. We have the same philosophy in the business. Failing is a good thing. If you've got an idea, it doesn't work as a good thing because you've you've validated something, you've learned more, and you move on to the next bit. And it's the same in game design. I think it should be the same in learning. A well-structured game will build upon the concepts as you go through it. So you might get the first one wrong, but then there's a pause moment in between. The data is displayed on that screen at the front about who answered which options. It's anonymized, but how many people answered each option. And then the teacher can see, okay, 50% 
of people answered this one, 25% this one. Actually, no one got it correct. So I need to spend more time at this point explaining why the correct answer was what it is. And that creates a discussion. The game's almost on pause at that point, whilst everyone in the room is involved in this discussion about why the answer is correct and why the other ones are incorrect. I get it. Because everyone's engaged in the game, they're engaged in the learning experience as well. Then you move on to the next question, and the next question builds upon the concepts learned in the previous one. And you'll probably start to see actually 50% of the room got it correct this time because they learned from the previous one the conceptual thinking and they took that into the next one. And then those guys might explain to their classmates rather than the teacher this time. And it's starting to create this social learning experience that's driven by the students discussing uh, with the teacher facilitating. As you progress through the game, everyone starts to get it correct. So the way I'm experiencing what you're telling me is in a normal classroom, I might show 15 minutes of video or do 15 minutes of lecture. Yep. Students are going to disengage. They're going to sneak a peek at their phone. They know that there's a quiz next week. And we know that immediacy has a huge impact yep. and finding out right away if you're right or wrong and all of that. So rather than do a 15 or 30 minute lecture, I could put together two or three minute video talking about something. And you suggested perhaps even one of the harder more difficult parts of that and then run the game. So everybody essentially hopefully is paying a lot more attention because they know the quiz isn't coming next week. It's coming right away. Absolutely. One of the biggest things for me, I've spotted a few times the teacher using Kahoot for the summative assessment. And that for me is just a big no-no. That's not what Kahoot is designed for the learning, engagement around the learning itself. Not the final exam. And it's insane that anyone would use it for that, but I have seen it happen. Turn that on its head a little bit. I think the summative exam in Kahoot would be to create a game around the topic. Yes, you're spot on. Increasingly, we're seeing more and more teachers do this, particularly those that adopt project-based learning as a method. It might happen in groups. That's where the collaboration happens and also the creativity and the critical thinking and problem solving because they'll go away in groups. It might be that they're being taught a broad topic and then the teacher will ask them in their groups to go away and investigate kind of subtopics of the broader topic, different topic each. They'll go away and as part of their projects, you know, they have this kind of presentation element. So they've got the research. They need to also show the creativity as well. So the journey they'll typically go on is in their groups, they'll do the research, they'll unlock the insights that they need to unlock in order to kind of show that they're grasping the topic that eventually they'll be creating a Kahoot about. Then together they'll create, so that involves creating assets that sit inside the Kahoot, whether it's a video, like you mentioned, can sit directly inside, or imagery, which could just be as simple as a sketch, or it could be something they've created using a design package or a photograph that they've taken or, or found from somewhere. They'll do all of this uh, in collaboration with each other. And essentially, rather than creating a presentation to share back, they're creating a game to include everyone all their classmates in the experience to share what they've learned. And then the teacher will 
set aside a lesson where we'll play every group's Kahoot. And this is where our learners to leaders pedagogy comes in because the students are taking on the role of the teacher and playing their Kahoot back whilst all of their classmates are learning about all the things that they've discovered over the course of creating their game. They're perceived to be the leaders within that specific topic. But then the next group will come up and those guys will go back to being the learners and they'll learn what their classmates have been exploring and finding out about. To your point, I 100% agree that that is the deepest way to to learn through Kahoot platform. And that is if you are to use Kahoot for a summative assessment. And we've seen teachers have created all sorts of rubrics to assess the quality of a student's Kahoot from the way they structure the questions to how good the wrong answers are as much as the right answers because you know that shows a deeper level of learning the content they've embedded in the game the way they talk about it to their classmates the way they present it back etc etc when i saw that happen the first time that was quite profound because people were genuinely adopting our pedagogy into their lesson planning and the way they teach their curriculum it's fascinating and i think again we all as teachers have the student presentation, and that does get to some 21st century skills. I happen to teach a research class, which is a hospitality course where the students are working on solving an actual industry problem. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly difficult for me to get them to solve a problem because everything that they've ever been trained to do, they want to do a book report. Yeah. And they get yeah. the they have to look at maybe 10 different books and they aren't completely synthesizing that and they're just sort of spitting it back. And I tell them a thousand times, they have to find a problem and solve it originally. Telling me how recycling works is not original. Yeah. It's already in a book. And so they need to be narrow and specific and detailed. Cost, procedures, policies, job descriptions and layouts all of those things, menus, whatever it might be. And they don't want to do that. They'd rather expand their topic because they're trying to get to a page length to talk about a thousand different things very shallowly rather than to dig in deep with real detail. And Mm -hmm. so I see more in primary or secondary education, but the idea of creating a Kahoot not only gets them to that detail, but then the idea of putting a bunch of students together and watching somebody give their book report or their project report, it's in one ear and out the other. And it sounds like with the Kahoot methodology, they've already, through the class, learned to engage themselves with the learning. And so even though Susie and Sam are presenting their game and maybe Susie and Sam aren't that popular, folks are still necessarily almost going to in a Pavlovian sense, kind of just engage with the game because that's what they've been doing all term. And they want to win. Yeah, obviously I've hosted many, many cahoots myself as well, like both on stage or we do it in the company um, to to share progress or to introduce what's happening this week or or even when a new employee joins they create a kahoot about themselves and it's extremely empowering to be the person hosting and it gives you confidence rather than going through a powerpoint deck where you kind of know that not everyone's engaged in it 
hosting a Kahoot, knowing that everyone's in the game, it gives you confidence yourself. And I think that's equally the case for a teacher, knowing that, that her students are engaged, as it is for a student themselves, knowing their classmates are interested in what they're learning, even if it is just to win the game, they're still learning from it. A couple of thoughts for you. One of the mm -hmm. things I do, in my, again, and this is, a, you know, college seniors, the presentation that I make them give is the Ignite style, which is a slideshow format where the slides advance every 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I encourage them to use almost no words. Mm -hmm. Try to do it all with pictures. It forces them a little bit into a storytelling mode. Yep. In fact, ideally, because they've researched this topic for 15 weeks, they should be able to look at a related picture and, and make up a story. Uh, I don't tell them that's kind of what I'm looking for, but I would be happy. And it creates this very fast-moving, engaging presentation and at the end in the best possible sense people have questions yep. because it's moved through and engaged them and it hasn't been boring they, they just want to know more and so I, I could see a, a mode in Kahoot where someone would do a mini presentation maybe three or four screens again that advance at a regular pace and enforce uh, you know kind of a, a faster paced storytelling and then ask questions would be kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, that um, presentation format you mentioned, I've, I've done a few presentations like that, um, Pecha Kuchas, um, where I can't, I think it's like 20 seconds per slide or something, but, you know, it's maximum of six minutes in length. It's tw I think it's 20 slides, 20 seconds or something. And, um, I, and also, um, Guy Kawasaki talks a lot about, you know, you only need a maximum of 10 slides or something like that. And it's about the storytelling. And I completely agree, you know, less bullet points or no text, uh, imagery. My background's in product design, brand design, kind of storytelling, behavioral design as well. Trying to create more positive behaviors by understanding people. And we know that people are engaged by storytelling. And and actually, that's one of the most powerful ways you can use Kahoot to get onto your second point is it's a storytelling tool because it creates engagement. The way you structure a good game has narrative throughout it. That it's a story. Any, uh, whether it's a computer game, a board game or a game of Kahoot, you're telling a story through the narrative that you build into your game design. I, I think that would be an extremely effective way for your students to use it as well. I'm thinking about it. it. It's so hard to get students into the detail, as I mentioned, and I think this would be an excellent way to do that. Another question is different modes of competition. Mm -hmm. So one thing that comes to mind was in a lecture that Kathy Ann Davidson gave, she spoke about the first time she visited a classroom in Japan. Mm -hmm. And when the work was given out, all of the students helped each other. She later went back and they had adopted a more Western model where everybody had to do their work by themselves. According to what she said in the lecture, felt that was a bit of a loss in terms of collaboration. And I'm wondering if there's a kind of a relay team game mode where you divide the class into some kind of, you know, set of tranches where the, the first set go and answer and then the, essentially then have to collaborate with the next student and help them get to the next answer. And then that student has to work and somehow build with the next one on their team so that you might have uh, three or four teams out of a class of 15 or 20 and they're working in series to answer the question or solve a problem. It's a nice idea. You should come and join Kahoot as a product designer. <laughs> I'd love to. We chose a quiz because what is the simplest 
game format you can possibly think of. And also we were building a new business, which we needed to hit scales. Best way to hit scale is to start simply and then evolve from there. And the quiz can be applied to anything. We have a very simple format that enables creativity and the scale to happen. I often compare it to Twitter, actually, like Twitter's this 140 characters for you to use it as you wish, and which leads to thousands of different use cases. And every individual's experience is different because they've kind of tailored the way they use Twitter based on their own needs. And Kahoot's kind of the same. Yeah. So you've got a simple format for creating your games. And that is leading to lots and lots and lots of different use cases. And one of those use cases we spotted, to your point about teamwork, was the collaboration and playing in teams that was happening. It was happening for different reasons. Sometimes it was a simple case that there wasn't enough technology available in the classroom. They only had five devices, so the teacher had to split them up. Other times it was because she wanted her students to collaborate and foster kind of teamwork. So we did actually introduce a team mode, which is fairly basic at this point in time. It's really a way of encouraging the behaviors to happen. It fits so perfectly into the kind of founding principles that, w- that I mentioned, particularly the social one and the idea of these 21st century skills that we want to help foster of collaboration and teamwork and whatnot. So we have a team mode that's fairly simple and it just enables everyone to have their name on the screen at the front. But it's kind of this kind of an example of how I think a lot of uh, tech companies, there's too much focus on the technology and really we're so focused on the behaviors. So even though the functionality is super simple, it's created a lot more of these positive um, teamwork and social learning behaviors because it's there and available and it's a mode you can play the game in. And then I would love to advance it as we move forward and introduce some different mechanics. And I really like the one that you suggested. What I was thinking, I had two kind of use cases in mind in a secondary setting, maybe a a chemistry or biology class, that the software just randomly divides up the group. And when there's an odd number, you know, somebody in that group just plays again. And so everybody's device turns a color. So, you know, you find each other, all the blues find each other, all the yellows find each other and so forth. Maybe they're studying something about atomic structure and bonding and this sort of thing. So the first question is, you know, pick an element. The next student maybe has to answer a question uh, related to that if they're um, trying to assemble a molecule or trying to answer a chemistry question um, so that it's kind of like design your own. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. That's it. And you could see the team, you know, pick hydrogen, pick helium, you know, because it's simpler or easier. But then the river of questions that run from each of those could be slightly different as the teacher has set it up. The person whose turn it is to go is the decider, but they can work together as a team to decide what the right answer is. You could create a a relay game. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. I really like the idea. We've had some similar stuff that we've prototyped, actually. The idea of choosing your own destiny, I guess, uh, throughout the gameplay is is definitely one that we've been sort of playing around with and prototyping. And using Kahoot as a storytelling platform, like a game-based storytelling experience, is really powerful. People do it today, and we've and because we've seen it happen, we've started to experiment with some different elements to the game 
design, which therefore are different elements to the gameplay, in order to encourage both the storytelling side of it and the kind of decision making and collaboration side of it as well. So yeah, we've been prototyping a lot of stuff and just trying it out internally and with with some users along those lines because it is so powerful because you have the engagement. Because I could see the first round the whole class participates in and then, okay, team number one, they're going to go and you could do round robin like that. And okay, yeah. team two goes. Now, okay, team four, you know, you have you can win this or tie or whatever, you know, it, in a especially in a post-secondary or secondary uh, educational setting where you can have a little bit more pressure. Mm. I could even see in a more advanced mode where the, the teams are exist for some number of weeks and part of the assignment is to to build the build the quizzes maybe for the other team so though you know you'd have to make sure uh, from a rubric perspective they're not making it uh, too hard or impossible but then you know they're going to lose their their summative assessment right if you yep. specified the wrong yeah make it impossible for your classmates <laughs> but yeah no i think i really like that when another concept we've had um is the idea of like actually game creation as a game in itself uh, through uh-huh. collaboration yep. turning the the social experience of the classroom into the creation experience as well there's so many uh, cool exciting uh, stuff that you know is grounded in really solid pedagogy as well is there any use case for this outside of traditional classroom and in other words in terms of online classroom where the students are not where the students are not only in the same room but are maybe split across different days and times yes and no we see it happen a lot we call them connected cahoots you'll see one class play against another and they'll use skype as we're using now or hangouts or any video conversation tool and they share the game screen and basically you know we did a a big thing with skype in the classroom fairly recently where my colleagues were traveling around the world playing games of kahoot with different classrooms Um, And that for me is super exciting because it happens a lot. You have a classroom in, I remember the first time I saw it happen was a classroom in Cape Town played against a classroom in, I think it was like in Illinois or somewhere, somewhere in the States. And I was like, okay, this is incredible because they're connecting a lot anyway because we have the technology of Skype and and whatnot enables us to do that. But the game of Kahoot adds meaning to those connections as well because of the conversation that happens as a consequence of the game you're playing. And it's a great way of breaking down cultural boundaries, as an example. In different locations, yes, we see that happen. And there's some more practical reasons. Snow day obviously happens a lot in certain parts of the world, particularly in the States. And some students can't get to school. So the teacher will arrange a game using a screen sharing we do it between our offices at work so we i'm based in london we have an office in oslo and one in austin we connect over uh, games of kahoot where we share it with each other to your second point about kind of not at the same time we have a mode called ghost mode where basically you can play against the ghosts of past players. So let's take one example. You play in class, um, then the teacher has the ghost mode link. She'll pass it out to all the students and they can go home and they can play it, but still try and beat their ghost and their classmates' ghost. So it adds that kind of extra motivation for the kind of when uh, retention of knowledge is important. So I guess that's one way you could do it. That would work perfectly because then... I mean, it would build whoever was the first to go if they want to go again. And there are many kinds of pre-tests and post-tests where we allow a student to take the test as many times as they want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's actually something we're exploring a lot at the moment is how 
because of the nature of Kahoot in this kind of multiplayer social experience, how can we try and replicate all the positive learning behaviors and engagement and fun experiences that game players have when they're outside the classroom? We're exploring a lot of stuff around that at the moment, and the ghost mode does play a central role in that. Truly fascinating. It is something that's very dear to my heart. So I, I, I hear your passion. I'm excited about it. I want to shift, however, the focus out of the classroom yeah. to another potential use case. Mm-hmm. The folks who listen and participate in the FIR podcast network are, mm-hmm. for the most part, professional communicators. Uh, some of them are internal. Some of them are external. Some of them do traditional press relations, but most of them are focused on engagement around storytelling, mm-hmm. which is a complete match with everything that you've talked about. Yep. An internal communicator may be trying to create engagement around a new set of policies or a new procedures. And just like our students don't want to pay attention to the lecture, <laughs> it's completely clear in the workplace that meeting where there's 100 people or if it's 1,000 people, we know that we have to come and then we can get our, our milk and cookies, so to speak, on the way out. Everybody's going to nod their head. And this could yep. be really effective and, and even whoever's leading the meeting say, okay, guys, that's great, but we got 30% here. So let's go through this again. I've got a different video this time. I could see driving that. I can see nonprofits and NGOs and those sorts of organizations that are trying to do certain kinds of training with a smaller cohort of stakeholders, that friendly competition, again, to learn the material could be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. And actually, Kahoot is used by some of the biggest brands in the world internally for different reasons, whether it's engagement at meetings. You know, we we have on good authority that some of the biggest companies in the world have used it all the way up, up to the top. So engagement in meetings is one scenario internal training because it's not just it's obviously about the actual learning experience itself but also the collaboration amongst trainers so um, sharing content amongst each other so they're all teaching the same same thing used as a way of connecting teams that are distributed we use it in our own business we have each product squad does retrospectives at the end of each sprint so that's where they look back on what went well, what didn't go so well, and Kahoot's used to facilitate that. There are a whole load of scenarios in business. And actually, one of the things we're looking at at the moment is our offering to businesses because it's used so widely in, in business. And to your point as well, not just charities, not-for-profits, uh, any organization really that has groups of people that are there for a common purpose. And so we're looking into our uh, widening our offering, offering for organizations like that and one of the major reasons of course because if we get that correct it will enable us to continue on our mission and empower schools to continue to use Kahoot for free as well which is definitely going to happen and then the other side of it which you touched upon as well I think is that Kahoot actually is a way of reaching people through the platform itself. So a lot of these people have got important information or uh, they want to raise awareness about important things that are happening around the world, news events and whatnot. Kahoot is like other kind of social media 
platforms kahoot is a distribution channel for their content as well we can enable them to reach audiences that maybe they wouldn't normally have access to to help raise awareness of the campaigns that they're running so i think there's lots of use cases in the scenarios that you just mapped out i think there's one more i think it's a little bit underformed in my own mind Mm-hmm. One of the things that marketers do, there's different types of marketing, the content or inbound marketers who are concentrated on giving out value and yep. not trying to push for a sale, not trying to interrupt. So they'll offer an ebook, they'll offer a video, they'll offer a trial use of software, all kinds of different things. They'll create blog posts. But I think creating a small educational unit around the topic and perhaps a fun kind of certificate or something at the end could be really well subscribed to, meaning if someone's on a landing page or a blog post and having that, you know, let's just play a game kind of seems fun. If the barker mode, that attract mode to the game is, is really well thought out, marketers, as I said earlier, are super focused on engagement. And so this yep. would be incredibly engaging for that audience, for marketers, and this could certainly be a well-paying audience, you'd need to have <laughs> uh, metrics and some tracking and things that yep. probably have in the core product for the teachers that would have to work its way back to Google Analytics or even to Facebook custom audiences, these kinds of things where you could then later retarget or remarket the people based on the level of interaction and event engagement that they had. I uh, 100% agree. Oh, there we go. It stopped. To that point, I 100% agree. And this is something that we're exploring at the moment is how do we work with different partners to help distribute their content? I think Kahoot has something that is pretty unique in terms of distribution across a platform in that we have a lot of attention on that content. So Game of Kahoot might last for 10 minutes it might last for an hour if you're facilitating an entire lesson as an example so therefore that's incredibly powerful for those marketers or those organizations that have key messages that they need to spread particularly that tie in with our values around learning that enhance the learning experience itself that's something that we're currently actively working on well, i have to say it's fascinating i have used the product not in the classroom but just playing some of the games i feel always lighthearted a little bit and then <laughs> also that need to concentrate so it is a very positive experience oh thank you i'm glad you enjoy it I don't want to take up more of your valuable time, Jamie. What I was hoping at this point is if you could pitch out your URL. So if anyone's interested in giving it a go, uh, you can sign up for a free account at getkahoot.com. And from there, you can search one of our 15 million publicly available games to play. The best way to give it a go, I think, is get together with the family and have a game with each other. And then if you're a teacher, give it a go in the classroom, even if it's just for five minutes to reward students at the end of the class as a first time experience to see how easy it is. Personally, I'm always here to answer any questions. Probably the best way is on Twitter at Jamie Brooker. So please feel free to reach out. This is Harry Hawk, and you have been listening to Talking About Everything. We've been talking with uh, Jamie Brooker from Kahoot, and I'm just so excited to hear about it. Jamie, thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody has a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Goodbye.